Today's scripture reading is taken from the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 and 46. If you want to follow along, it can be found on page 807 in your Bible. One of the nice things about being lay leaders is you get to meet with Pastor John right before the service, just to kind of go over the service, and sometimes I'll give a little insight into the reading. <coughs> I find that useful when I'm listening. Um, but what he shared with me today, um, again, is reminded of the story of the parable. Which is a story. It's what Jesus used to kind of explain things to the people who were following him, to kind of make them understand more easily. And what's important, and Pastor John will share more, but this is Jesus' final story before ultimately going to the cross. This is his final parable that we'll hear today. So again, it's Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and will separate people one from another as a shepherd, shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, for you are the foundation of the world. For I, quit, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry, and gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you, a stranger, and welcomed you, or naked, and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick, or in prison, and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for these words. Pray together. Let us pray. God, as we listen, as we think, as we pray, as we reflect, as we sit, be in us. Fill us up. Give us hope where we need hope. Give us wisdom where we need wisdom. Change our mind if that is necessary. Convict us if needed. But God, always stir within us a spirit of willingness um, to be known by you and to know you. And all this we ask in Christ's name. Let everybody say, Amen. <clears throat> and from that text again, 
When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats on the left, and then the king will say to those who are gathered, Just who is in charge? Ultimately running the show. Who has final authority and power? Who, maybe to use more traditional language, is king, is queen, is sovereign? It's taken more than a few Thanksgivings, but finally this year, I think I learned my lesson about ultimate authority and power when it comes to cooking a turkey on the third Thursday in November. Every few years, I get to host that meal for family and friends, and this time there were 11 folks at my table. Pre-Turkey Day, I gave out assignments. Mom always gets dessert. She bakes a pumpkin pie that would make goblins weep. Sister Lynn always creates something squash-related, I don't much like it, but most folks eat it all up. And most important for my old friend Barb, this year she was in complete and total charge of the turkey, the centerpiece of our feast. Now, in past years, I made the mistake of attempting to share that authority and power with her for roasting the bird, which, truth be told, too often made for bruised feelings and a wounded ego on my part, which is odd because in most ways we get along great. So why did I finally acquiesce? Why did I give up control of the bird? Because ultimately and finally and authoritatively, she is just a much better cook than I will ever be. She knows so much better than me not to open the oven door every 10 minutes to see if it's done yet. She knows where to insert the meat thermometer. She knows to let the birds sit right after cooking. She knows the right spices and knows how to brine it. She is the turkey queen. So this Thanksgiving, I stuck to making my mashed potatoes, and I let her run the show, and it all went well because I let someone else be in charge. Because I was smart enough, finally, to know what I don't know. Because I remembered that when it came to that meal, really, friends, when it comes to all of this life, I do not have to always be in charge or run the whole show or claim all authority or always be the expert or feel like it is all up to me I can actually trust someone, trust something other than me, maybe even a power greater than myself, to take control, to steer the ship, to guide my life, to oversee the world, to be sovereign as sovereign, sovereign. Today, with other Christians, we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. 
It marks the last Sabbath day of the church year before we move into Advent and Christmastide. This day we might think about what it might mean for us to actually put God in Christ in charge of our lives. To give God in Christ greater authority over us, how we live. To ask God in Christ to run the show called human life. To actually believe that a power greater than ourselves ultimately is in charge of me, of you, of the world. Metaphorically speaking, God as sovereign, given power, influence, and most important, given our trust. Our trust. Do we trust God to be sovereign in our lives? Can we let go and can we let God? We can be excused for being a bit suspicious of such language and symbols, especially the king part. This king image worked for folks in Jesus' time. Christ's followers understood him as directly descended from King David, born like David in Bethlehem. 2,000 years ago, to speak of kings and kingdoms was the norm. But now, at least for us as Americans, not so much. We have no king, though we still do know of leaders who are prone to act king or queen-like. Leaders who lord it over others, who revel in the power and wealth and the trappings of office, who preen and strut. But friends, sovereigns have been doing that forever. Yet that's not the kind of king that Jesus is, not at all. He's not your normal sovereign, not coercive or cocky or tyrannical or in it for the power or the prestige or the pomp. A story, one day in the mid-1950s, then Massachusetts Governor Christian Herter arrived late for a barbecue after a long day of campaigning. He'd had no breakfast or lunch and he was famished. As he moved down the serving line, he held out his plate and was given just one piece of chicken. The governor asked the serving lady, Excuse me, do you mind if I have another piece? I'm very hungry. Sorry, sir, the woman explained. I'm only supposed to give one piece to each person. The governor again said that he was starving, but the woman would not budge. Only one to a customer... Apparently, Herder was a normally modest man, but he was so hungry that he decided to employ the full weight of his office. Ma'am, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of the state of Massachusetts. The woman paused and then calmly replied, Sir, do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. (laughs) Now please, move along. So if and when we decide to give God and Christ authority over our lives, it will not be about acquiescing to the authority of a tyrant or a bully or any similar human authority, an earthly king or queen. The king we turn to for guidance was born not in a palace, but in a barn, a king whose mom was a teenager, a 
and whose adopted dad was a blue-collar worker. The king we depend upon wields the authority, not of a soldier's violence, but of a shepherd's care. The king we worship as he moves among us these days would never be found walking a red carpet emerging from a long-stretched limo, but would more likely be found at the service entrance, maybe sharing a laugh and a break with the dishwashers and the cleaning ladies at the back of the building. Jesus is not your normal sovereign. When I image Christ as king in my one life, I imagine a good and kind and old friend, a mentor, a wise teacher, one who most of the time knows much better than me what is best for me. Jesus, that still small voice within, encouraging me daily to do my best and to be my best and to have courage to know it does not always have to all be up to me alone, that I don't always have to run the show, that in fact there is a power greater than me in charge, and sometimes my job is to let God be sovereign, to pray in the morning, God, what do you want me to do this day, and God, who do you want me to be this day? Friends, how might each of our lives change if we each pray those two simple prayers every morning? Think about it. Are you willing to give up your authority to God's sovereignty? Jesus is not your normal sovereign, not in whom he asks us as people of faith to pay particular attention to, to really see in the world today. In September of 2007, there was a YouTube video and follow-up book by Professor Randy Pausch, a Carnegie Mellon University professor. It was called The Last Lecture. Have you heard of it, or did you see it? Pausch was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He knew he was going to die, and so he tried to sum up in one lecture all his life's work and philosophy. The Last Lecture. Now, most of us have probably heard today's scripture tens, maybe even hundreds of times. And Jesus said, I was hungry, and you fed me. Thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. In prison, and you visited me. Whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, members of my family, you do for me. But what we don't often consider is that this is kind of like Jesus' last lecture, the king's last lecture, delivered in the Gospel of Matthew just before he goes down to Jerusalem for Holy Week and his trial and death and resurrection. It is the king's last will and testament, if you will. So what does he give to us, his subjects, as our charge and marching orders. Whom does the king say we are supposed to watch out for and take care of and defend and love in his name? Not the powerful 
or the famous or the infamous, not those reveling in worldly wealth or fame, not those who work for self alone. The king doesn't ask us to build hundreds of thousands of buildings in memory of him. In one final sermon, Jesus does not talk about the need to believe in this doctrine or in that creed or even one specific religion. This King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, this sovereign who sits at the right hand of God says this You can always find me, and you can always serve me in the lost and in the lonely in the poor and in the prisoner, in the forgotten and in the downtrodden, in the paupers and not the princes. Do these things, my friends. Love these people. And then you will love me, your king. Because Jesus is not your normal sovereign. Because Jesus is ready to take charge of our lives. This world, if only we freely say, Yes, please, Jesus, a king unlike any before and any since, not your normal sovereign. Thank God. Let all God's people say, Amen.